back again. Oh, look at that. It's myself, Gav Mack and Alex Osborne, and welcome to Two Up Top for the second time today. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, we're throwing out shows left, right and centre. How are you, dude? I'm very well, thank you, Virg, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good, mate. I'm all good. Um, we're going to be reviewing the, pre the Premier League games that have happened in the last couple of days, as well as the FA Cup games that we've just seen. And I think we should start with uh, Newcastle United versus Manchester City. Uh, Manchester City, 2-0 winners against uh, against Newcastle there. Goals from Kevin De Bruyne from the spot and Raheem Sterling as well. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game? It was, it was a 2-0 thrashing. Though, Newcastle, um, the commentators wouldn't let you forget about it, had that glorious chance to equalise before they went up the other end and scored. But other than that, I, yeah, it was... What threw me off, right, was why did they do the draw for the get the semi-finals at half-time? I, 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 that was strange to me. Yeah, I've not that seen was, that happen before. That's a, that's definitely a new one to me. Especially when they did the draw and then Man City was pulled out of the hat and I was like... I, Hang on. Usually it's oh, Man City slash Newcastle. And I'm thinking, have I like gone into like <laughs> some weird time zone here? Because I'll be honest with you, I had a, I had a little bit of a sleep between uh, the Chelsea, the end of the Chelsea game and this game. And I must have got, I wasn't obviously fully paying attention or something. Because I, I was like, have I just missed something here? Have I like, like only caught the second half of this game? I mean, but um, yeah, that was, uh, aside of that, Man City were very comfortable, um, and I mean I know they, they they didn't beat Chelsea, but we kind of on Thursday we kind of thought because we, we 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 questioned the team selection, didn't we, in that game a little bit? It's like why didn't they start with a recognised striker? Mm -hmm. Made a couple of other changes as well. Um, it's clear that they were like, well, we've got two trophies we can left we can win left this season. Let's focus on those. We're going to finish in the top four anyway, because City will win. Uh, City will pick up enough points to guarantee them. And like another team we played today, where we, I was having a discussion where it could, Leicester, uh, I'll say it, Leicester could potentially drop out of the top five with the way that other teams are chasing them and the way that they're falling off a cliff, basically. But uh, going back to Man City, I think that they're going to they're going to focus on winning the FA Cup and then the Champions League when it returns in August. That was the opportunity for Newcastle, really, wasn't it? Because at the end of the day, I know it's Man City that they're playing against, but Newcastle haven't won a trophy since 1955. Do you really think that they should have gone a little bit more braver with their with their team selection? You know, they've, they've still got... They haven't really got that many injuries left now. They've sorted themselves out a little bit on that front. Well, you've got to look who's manager. Steve Bruce has never been one to be over his career as a manager. He's always been a more cautious than he has been than he has been enterprising, and mm. that again reflected. He, he he thought the best way for them to try and get a result there was to just nick one, scramble to save, scramble to to, to defend, kind of like they've done already against Man City. I mean, they have got what they got that point, didn't they, earlier in the year? But the difference, obviously, then is that they had the home crowd behind them. And I think Newcastle are one of those teams where they benefit from having a home support there cheering them on um, rather than some other teams who don't quite rely on that, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, they could really do with having the fans there, but they're still not 
they're, they're a weird side, but you know, they're one of the teams that I actually touted to go down at the beginning of the season. They are safe now. They're just going to be that sort of safe side. They're never going to go anywhere. They're not going to go any higher than 10th. They're not going to get relegated anytime soon. I even think with their takeover, that nothing's really going to change there. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. It, we'll see. I've got a feeling it's going to be very QPR. It could be. It, it could very well be. But I think it all depends on A, how serious the owners are and B, who who they get in. A, not as just as manager, but all the positions just above manager. You know, we, we recognise that that is becoming more and more important in today's game, isn't it? Because um, if you don't like get... Director those, of football. Yeah, director of football, your head of scouting, um, your financial director, all of these different positions. When uh, you see like Liverpool have managed to get the right, pe- right people in the right positions along with the manager, they all marry up with the same vision and then you'll see what happens on the pitch as a result of that. It all depends on if Newcastle are able to get that right. I mean, Man City, another success story as well. Yeah, they're, they're, everyone's going to rightly point to the fact that they've spent a lot of money. But you've mentioned QPR. They spent a lot of money and look what uh, look what happened with them. So mm. they didn't get the right people in the right positions and they didn't get the right managers in place, did they? So, um, yeah, just because you've got loads and loads of money doesn't guarantee the fact that you'll get better. So it'll all depend on that side of the things for Newcastle. So, yeah. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Um, before I continue, though, is it possible for you to stick some headphones on? Stick some headphones on? Yeah, because I'm getting a lot of feedback coming back. Okay. But, um, uh, I don't I don't have any headphones. I've got some headphones here, but they're wireless. Oh, they, they should be. They should be fine. They should be fine. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll test those out. Uh, in the meantime, I'll uh, get some information out about the, uh, a couple of other games that happened today. Um, first off, we will talk about Leicester. Leicester nil, Chelsea one. Uh, Ross Barkley, the new Eden Hazard, as they were trying to call him on the commentary earlier on today. I was quite embarrassed by that. I mean, like Chelsea, they were they were the the better side today, I must say. But at the same time. This is another opportunity, a bit like Newcastle, where Leicester could have gone on and, and, and done something here and, and they and they haven't. I've heard a little stat as well that uh, Brendan Rodgers hasn't beaten Chelsea ever in his managerial career. I think that's his 14th game against them. Wow, I uh, didn't know that. There <laughs> you go. Oh no, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, that's... So he obviously, he didn't beat... The fate that I suppose the most famous one for Brendan Rodgers would be the Liverpool game where with the Gerard slip, wouldn't he? Yeah, that was, mm. I suppose that was the most uh, infamous one. But I didn't realise that he still hadn't beaten him regardless outside of that. So that's it's obviously taken into his account his get time at Swansea as well. Yeah, the whole time. It's um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's crazy. Um, Chelsea. They were the better side today, but it took a while for them to get going, I thought. And I think Leicester, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes, they really went for it. And it's a shame that they couldn't get um, pick up an early goal because I think an early goal would have shook Chelsea a little bit. I think that would have come down off their high against Man City. But the longer the game was nil-nil, the more Chelsea were able to grow into the game. There was one goal which was disallowed, unfortunately, from Tammy Abraham. He absolutely laced it with his left peg, but he didn't pay much attention to, to where he was on along the line and really and truly he was, he was miles offside in the end but he hit that so beautifully I think he's almost a bit of a statement to say don't forget about me next season 
that was a lovely finish. He's off mm. with his strong foot as well. I yeah, that's big. Is, but, um, big. Yeah, uh, lovely finish. Uh, going on, just quickly touching on Russ, Ross Barkley there. Um, he has the attribute. He's such a frustrating player because he has the attributes. He's got power, he's got pace, he's got strength. Um, but he just makes the wrong decision time after time after time. I know he scored the goal today, but that was more a case of he was he found himself in the right position there due to his uh, his instincts as a player and he, he finished it off beautifully. But there were what two, three, maybe four breaks that he, that Chelsea had where they were like four on two, four on four, three on two, and he made the wrong pass. The pass that he did make was was awful, and his running off the ball was not very good. It didn't give the uh, the player carrying a ball uh, a, a, an angle to pass to him. Uh, it's so frustrating because you, you see what he can do, and you think, well, the age he is now, the experience that he has, because he's he's, he's, he's been around, what, how long has he been around? About six, six seasons, six, seven seasons now? Um he shouldn't be he shouldn't be still developing those kind of traits which doesn't really I don't think he'll, he'll ever really he'll get better I don't I don't know what angers me about Ross Barkley is that he always gets selected for England and I don't know why yeah why he, why he warrants the selection however when he plays for England Nine times out of ten, he is in the top three or the best player for England at that time. So why can't he? Why can't he bring his England form to? I don't. Clubs I don't. I, no, I don't agree with that. I don't think he's ever really. I, I, don't, I don't think it is. I can't recall him ever having a bad game for England. And we know what happened with England. They'll play against Lithuania. They will win five 0 We're all like, oh yeah, England. We're going to win the World Cup. And we get to a World Cup or a Euros, and we we lose to Iceland or we draw against Tunisia. You know, it's. That is such an England thing, but he will always stand out amongst the better players in an England shirt. I'll agree to You're disagree. That, that, I don't think I don't, I've never really seen him play that well for England or stand out to the level you, you say. But the he, reason he why picks up the ball deep, he drives through he has, people. He has the physical attributes to do to do that. That's that's why he keeps getting picked because people managers will fall in love with that type of player, and it's understandable, but. He has to. He has to show that he make, he can make the right decisions and execute it time after time for him to warrant those opportunities. And he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't do that. Mm. Um, we spoke before the game um, about Kovacic. Now I'm a big fan of Mateo Kovacic, and you're not. Correct. I. I. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> so here's the thing. First of all, what what does he do as a midfield player? He yeah okay he he, he can dribble the ball a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Good dribbler. He can, he can pass it off a little. He can pass it off. Good pass. But he never ball. really takes any risks with his with his passing. He's Don't not that to. good defensively. Chelsea have conceded a lot Got of goals. When he's when he's played in the team, he doesn't really he didn't really give his defence enough protection, and he doesn't score and he doesn't get any assists either. So what does he do as a midfield player? He, and here's the other thing as well: Real Madrid are quite happy to let him go. And we've had this discussion before about anyone being let if, go by Real Madrid. If we you play for Real Madrid, Barcelona, 
Juve, PSG, well, not PSG, I'll take PSG out of that, actually, uh, Bayern Munich. If you're playing for any of those teams and someone of your same level isn't going for you, you're not good enough for that team. I'm not in any way saying that Kovacic is a world-class midfielder. He's not, right? But he is a very good midfielder. He he's, he's part of the gel that sorts that midfield out. You don't always have to score goals. You don't always have to assist for when you're playing in the midfield. You could do all the link-up play. He's, he's, he is the part, he is part of every move that Chelsea score from. And with him, he's either, whether it's just a little five-yard sideways pass or whether he's pinging a ball across the field or he's bringing, he's drawing a player out of position to create space for somebody else. He's a very clever midfielder. And I like him. I think I think he's a damn good midfielder. And, you know, Chelsea, well, they've got him now, haven't they? They spent a lot of money on him. I don't think he warranted the money that they paid for him in the end. I think it's turned towards the, the 50 million mark. I wouldn't say as, as, as much as that, even in today's market. But I, I think I think he's a good player. He's at his level and Chelsea is a good level to be at. Well, I, I disagree. I don't think he's anything special. There's quite a few midfielders I'd, I would rather have in, in my team personally that would be that would do a better job than him. I, I certainly think so. And um, put it this way, Real Madrid, were, again, we're happy to let him go and keep her ageing Modric, who, yeah, Modric doesn't score many goals. Ballon d'Or winner, Luka Modric. Yeah, but, you know, he he's in his 30s now, so he's not getting any better. He's only going to get worse. Kovacic is in his, is in his what, mid-20s? So he should be getting better. Yet, Real Madrid were quite happy to let him go. So, um, mm. I, I don't see it with him, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, um, I, don't, I don't agree with you. Um, one, ch- one Real Madrid reject who did score today was Danny Ceballos in a 2-1 win for Arsenal over Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. Uh, the nice goals segue. came from... Oh, nice, isn't it? Oh, I'm here all week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Pe- Pepe scored from the spot um, on 25 minutes and then uh, McGoldrick, he equalised on 87 minutes and then and then Danny Sabahs popped up a couple of minutes later but it didn't it didn't all look very plain sailing for Arsenal Arsenal could have been behind from seven minutes in luckily it was ruled off for offside for Arsenal yeah Sheffield United scored a couple of offside goals from set pieces and they did seem to carry a threat throughout most of the game from the set piece situation um especially with the long the, the long flat throws into McBurney getting a Winning, yeah. He was pretty much winning every header, um, McBurney, wasn't he, today? Um, it's a good player. But he's, he's, he's all right. He's, he's, he's good for what Sheffield United want to try and do. Um, he's like a really good Connor Wickham. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's very, <laughs> do you know what? Connor Wickham, I don't think he's as tall. He's not that, he's not, he's not, it's not that Connor Wickham's really short. I just think McBurney, to me, just, just basing it off like memory, Connor Wickham, uh, Oliver McBurney's a little bit more taller. He's a little bit thinner, I think. I don't know whether McBurney's broader or it's just because he's got a big, strong beard game going on, which <laughs> makes him appear a lot broader than he actually is. Hey, look, I'm without that. I don't do the beard game. But Sheffield United, they were. They, I think they were unlucky today. The penalty, what were your thoughts on that? Do you think that should have been a penalty? Yeah, uh, I think it should have been a penalty. Um, he's gone through the back of him without winning the ball. And it's, it's poor defending. 
basically. If that's on the halfway line, it's a free kick. That's how, exactly. that's how I see it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, only, the, only, the only question was whether it was outside the penalty area or it was not. Because I know uh, Lacazette's touch, I think he actually touched outside the area. But when the replay showed, he was standing inside the area, wasn't he? Where, where the defender was as well. So that, I think that was the only potential decision they needed to make there. But it was, it was a penalty. Um, and the, I think the way that Arsenal plays are set up today gets the best out of their players, I think, moving Not forward. Three, four, three. Yeah, yeah, because it, it, it kind of it freed up Pepe a little bit. And as Pepe's going to be, and he needs to be, one of Arsenal's better players, they need to get the best out of him. And I thought he had a pretty decent game today. He looked dangerous. He looked threatening. He was taking his player on. He scored. The, I know he was a penalty, but he scored his goal. He had another chance not soon after where he tested the keeper down low. It was a good save Ooh, by Henderson. Oh, yeah. That was a good save, yeah. Um, and he, he was making that lovely little run from out to in, in behind. And if there had been a couple of better ch- passes from Maitland-Niles, from Joe Willett, who released him, then he probably would have got another goal there as well. So I think that in mind, also, if they're going to play David Luiz, he's a, we know he's a better defender in a three, in the three centre halves, he could be, yes. he could be that player in the middle, and he can, he can use the two other two centre halves. Because when David Luiz gets in trouble, is when he gets dragged wide out on the pitch, when he has to defend wide. Look, look what happened, obviously against Man City. Uh, the penalty came from when he was dragged, dragged out wide left. Uh, he had to go and face up. Uh, who was it? He brought down for that penalty. I can't, I can't remember who was it. Was it Mares? Was it? I think it was. Um, and he got himself sent off. Remember the game against Liverpool earlier in the season. For two of their goal, two of their goals, one where he got skinned out by the left touchline, and then the where he pulled back Salah in the penalty area again happened in wider positions. Um, but mm. when you put central in a three, and he almost plays like that libero role that we we uh, so talk about, where he you can get the ball and he can dribble with it, and he can then because we both know he's got a ping on him, and he's a pretty decent passer. Because um, he can stroke the ball for a central defender like no one else, um, then that's when he was successful, and he did that when remember when Conte Chelsea's team won the Premier League, won the title. He was central, and he was a central defender there in that three at the back, wasn't he? Yeah, um, and also I really like the idea. If we haven't got the money, say we, uh, I'm talking about Arsenal. So I'm wearing my Palermo shirt, as you can all see. Um, <laughs> when I talk, when I talk about the Arsenal, and not having anything it, like beefy in the middle of the park. Shaq had another great game today. Shaq, David Luiz can do that job. And I remember probably about eight, eight or nine years ago when I used to live, because I've, I've lived all over the place, but when I was originally in Northampton before and I was uh, with my old housemate and me and him, we used to sit there and watch Chelsea and be like, do you know what? He's good, but he's a bit of a liability. We're going back eight or nine years ago here. And it's like, do you know where he would be good? Defensive central mid. That's where he would be good. He would be able to. He's got. He's got. He's got cover behind him. If Arsenal play a back four, play him just in front of it. Yeah, yeah. In that him, sort of play, libero yeah. type of position. Exactly. That that uh, was it. The Franz Beckenbauer, Matthias Sammer. You know those type of players. Uh, for the record, um, we are not saying that David Luiz yeah, is on no, the same path as Matthias Sammer. That's the type of position <laughs> role that he should be given because that suits his skills the best. Um, yeah. A big, just also a quick shout out to uh, Kieran Tierney. I I really oh, like yeah. him. 
Um, do you know what? He reminds me of a player like from the, I don't know, that played in the Prem in the 90s. He, he just seems like a good, honest pro who's actually, I just like the way that he, when he gets the ball, if he's got a bit of space, he wants to get past his man and whip him across. And here's the other thing. His delivery is good. It's always dangerous. It's always in the right areas. Whether, whether it, whether it, um, whether, whether it, it finds a player or not, is not a matter. It's uh, he puts him into dangerous areas, and he he found Pepe with one with a pullback where he put just wide, and there was another couple of where he fizzed across at the defender just got in front of the uh, the attacker. Um, so and I think he actually got man of the match in the end, Kieran Tierney. Um, so I, I I certainly thought he had a very good game today, uh, and him and Saka had a nice little partnership going down that left hand side. Very true. Very true. Um, there's a little comment here from uh, from Sean Munro. Sean Munro, former uh, pal of the old male coaches, not in Northampton anymore, but he misses us both. Ah, oh, we miss oh, we you miss too, Shawnee. We miss you too, son. Um, yesterday we were talking about um, Buendia and Willock, and who was better. You are not a big fan of Buendia. I find that horribly disgusting. I'm a big fan of Buendia, and we did a poll on Twitter and. I put it out and I said on our on our page at Top Football on all social media. If you didn't know already, who'd rather have in your team, Joe Willock or Buendia? And seventy five percent of people said Buendia. Uh, talking to Buendia, uh, New uh, Norwich one, Manchester United two. This is a game from yesterday in the FA Cup. Uh, that was. A tough game in the end for United. I think they made it hard for themselves. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think it was mainly down to their team selection. But uh, as we've seen this weekend, because the games have been coming thick and fast, there's been rotation being thrown in. Whereas Man City have gone the route of, we'll focus on the FA Cup because we're comfortable in the fact that we're going to qualify for the Champions League, even though technically at the moment... Um, <laughs> We don't know if they're going to be in the Champions League next year. At the moment, we believe that they're not going to be due to their ban. But um, other teams like Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Norwich, Leicester have had to do a little bit of rotation because this is what the fourth. Well, for some some teams, it's their fourth game in two weeks, isn't it? So that's mm. a game every three, four days. Um, so they've they had to do a little bit of rotation. And Manchester United. I think we we both agree. We, I think we've said this already. I think we said it in yesterday's show, didn't we? That they, the team that they played against Sheffield United, with all the players in those positions, especially their midfield. I think Manchester United's key is their midfield, right? And that you could say that a lot about a lot of teams, but especially for Manchester United, because if they get those positions right, the players in the right roles, it, it just unlocks them and it unlocks their strikers with Martial, Rashford. It's able to get them the ball into them quicker into more space so they can do more damage. And yesterday, mm. when you've got players like Lingard, Mata uh, um, in, the middle, in the middle midfield, uh, McTominay didn't have the best of games, but he was what struggling. Was saying, we know we, we, we all like McTominay on we, this we show, McTominay. but he, he wasn't with it, was he? Fred as well. Fred didn't also have the best of games. And mm. it just looked laboured. And Norwich were able to deal comfortably with what Manchester United were able to throw at them. When when United did make those changes, and they were then bought on Pogba, um, who was then sort of playing similar to like he did against Sheffield United. Manchester, you, you notice the difference. Manchester United stepped up. They didn't really get. They didn't let Norwich get out. I know they took it. It was, it was what 
couple of minutes before the end of extra time before Maguire did actually score. But they did have what I thought two or three other really good chances before then to actually get a winner. Um, but Norwich did well. Um, just... Bearing in mind, <laughs> Norwich were down to 10 men and they spent the whole of extra time down to 10 men. Their equaliser, the, the first goal was from Igalo and I, I thought he took that really well. I was thought he was going to be an absolute flop at United, but it's proven that he's done all right. Um, the equaliser came from Todd Campwell. Now, I thought it was a really good strike. And a lot of people, a lot of people are slating Romero a little bit. I felt but... like he could have done better, mm. but maybe he was a little bit unsighted because he looked on a replay. It, it, this is this happens sometimes. You don't know when you, when a replay slows it down. You think, how the hell did the ball get through there? But it just kind of came through one side of Fred and the other side of Maguire, and then it just came out of nowhere. And, and it was kind of away from, from him as well. It, it was kind of fading away from him, but I still, I still. Would have liked to have seen him done better there, but it was a good strike. Don't take nothing away from the strike from Cantwell. So, yeah, fair play to him. Yeah. Um, Tim Closer, he got himself sent off just before the end of 90 yes. minutes. That was, red a, all day, that, was red, that was a red card, yeah. Do you think the referee was pretty brave playing advantage in that situation? Because there was a foul just like literally two yards and three or four seconds before that actually happened. On Fernandez. Yeah. We, because it was Fernandez who flicked on straight away, wasn't it? Um, and by the way, can we just say about Fernandez, right? Again, <laughs> but you got your Kleenex, mate. He, 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 yeah, no, sorry, I'll, 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 I'll from yesterday. I'll be able to keep it PG. No, here's the thing with Fernandez. I've I've not really noticed a player who is able to flick it first time like that with the side of his foot. Whether he does a little like little croy flick, any type of flick where it'll be into a teammate's path all the time. You know, when some players do it and they just do it and it goes like straight to a defender or it goes out of play. I've not seen him do that. He just seems to do it every single time. And it, he, he's this, as if he's just got, he's like got a calculus or uh, a compass or something in his head, which like works out the angles, like some sort of computer. And he's like, oh, yeah. if I touch it like this, it's going to go to there. And it's like, it's, it's an incredible ability. Um, as for your question, I kind of thought that the referee he didn't really have enough time to react to the first foul, and then he saw the second foul, and he's like, "Well, okay, we'll go with the second foul because yeah, that well, was more clear than the okay. position." Yeah, yeah. That's double check to see whether it's inside the box or outside the box. Who's correct decision? I think it was, was just outside. outside of, I think um, it was just outside, wasn't it? And 100% a red card all day. Oh, yeah. He's not made yeah. any attempt to win the ball. And well, if he, he does do that, goal scoring opportunity. It's a clear and obvious goal scoring opportunity. So therefore it had to it had to result in that. Um and, and um, yeah. I, I, I think I've got an apology for you as well. I for think me? looking back on it, yeah, I've got an apology for you. because uh, I know when we discussed about the uh, yeah, no. Don't don't please don't be shocked. I am big enough to know that I, 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 I when I make a mistake. I said about the David Louise red card against Man City being harsh, if you remember. And yes. looking back on it, it's very similar to what happened with this Tim Closer. The only reason why I didn't think the David Luiz card uh, wasn't a red card was because it was coming in at an angle. But this one was like dead centre. So I thought with the positions of where they happened, it was that's why it was unlucky for Luiz to get the red card. But <sighs> well, I was, I was referee for 10 years, you know, I know, I know my stuff. Um, but right. to be fair, right. I, 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 Alex, apology accepted, you know, because I like you. Yeah. Yeah, you're a good guy. Uh, <laughs> no, but to be fair, 
the reason why that was a red rather than a yellow is because he didn't make any genuine attempt to get the ball. If he'd gone in and, to, uh, and attempted to get the ball and was unlucky on it, that's where the double jeopardy comes in. You get the yellow card, you get and you give away a penalty, but he's not made any attempt. The one, the one against, um, the one against Chelsea. That was harsh for me. I think that shouldn't have been a red card. That was earlier on this season, around Christmas time. That, for me, wasn't a red. He's made a genuine attempt to get the ball, and he was just a little bit late. Mm. One against Man City, no chance, no chance. Um, the FA Cup draw has been done. Um, that's the FA Cup semi-final draw. I haven't put the dates of when that's going to be in, but that, that's going to be played on the weekend of the 11th of July. So the 11th and the 12th. Yeah. You've got Manchester United versus Chelsea. And then both Arsenal. Both Wembley. Yeah, they're both, both being both played at Wembley, Wembley aren't they? Let's see what. Let's, uh, let's amend that. I can amend that because Newcastle haven't got through. And they, yeah, they are both going to be at Wembley. And I don't understand why. There you go. Well, here's the thing: where are they going to play? Where would they play? Are you saying that they should be played because both both of them are Manchester versus a London club. So yeah, where are they going to Villa Park? Back in the day, just go old school, man. Let's get that Villa Park stuff going on. Remember, all FA Cup semi-finals were Villa Park and Old Trafford. That's how they used to do it. These two, they used to do it Hillsborough both, as well. They used to do it Hillsborough as well. You know, all those middle, all those middle, um, the, um, you know, just give them a little bit of leeway there. I just think. Yeah. Unless... We're having a semi-final at Wembley. I just think takes away the whole shine of the final yeah, spectacle. It, it does. It does. Unless Wembley have agreed a, um, agreed a contract with the FA, which means... Well, of course they, they are. Play. Because they, yeah, they, they spent they, 950 quadruple million pounds on that stadium when they could have used that money, as we were talking about the other day, and invested yeah. that into grassroots football. And they chose yeah. not to. You look yeah. at the. Uh, we're going back over old ground, but I'm on one now. Look at the German <laughs> model. Look at the Dutch model. I know. I know. Um, Dutch football has fallen off a little bit in the last few years, but they had that model there from the 70s, and that's why they were so good. They didn't win many things, but they were always there in a semi-final or a final, every single tournament, and they ended up winning Euro '88. And you know, they were always there. Because they're bloody good at looking after the the infrastructure of of, of their clubs, you know, of, of of the grassroots football. Build like nowadays, build some more four G pitches, you know. Pay, cut the price Investing by quarters by. Yeah, cut the price by that because yeah. uh, like a UEFA badge. I know a couple of people that are doing UEFA badges and stuff, and they've paid a lot of money for their time. It's it, like it, a it's, couple of grand here. It's like three hundred quid. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. It's, it seems like if you're not an ex-professional football player, they make it really hard for people who want to get into the game, into a coaching side, really hard and expensive to do so. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I agree. Just obviously with that, if they got if their contract doesn't exist, which it obviously does, then they that means that they've got to play those games at Wembley because that's obviously stipulation... Uh, of the contract they've got in place, which, well, you know, it's, we we all know that the governing bodies at all national sports in this country, whether it be football, cricket, rugby, whatever, it's all about money. Money at the end of the day talks. That's all they see. They don't they don't really care about grassroots football. Um, yeah, the thing is, it's, it's a bit like the Arsenal situation. Spend money to make money. You know, if you yeah. invest in that, think of the bigger game when England are making it to every... Um, semi-final and final and winning exactly. the World Cup or winning the Euros yeah. 
you know, exactly. or or for the English clubs that are in Europe, you know, go out there and win the Champions League. That's going to generate more money and more revenue. So, exactly. you know, they're not really it, thinking about the bigger picture. They're thinking exactly. too much for now, they, I think. Here's the thing as well about the cricket. It's like the ECB should have loved it when England won the World Cup last year because how many people, how many young kids could that have inspired to go, do you know what? It did. I want to become the next best you go, You go to a random park, you go to the Downs Hackney Marshes or you go to Abington Park in Northamptonshire or you go to, like, you know, um, like the Downs and stuff. You're seeing kids, instead of kicking the ball around, they're with a bat and a ball. So that inspired the nation to get into into that sport. But, you know, what do we know? We're just a couple of podcasters from Northampton. Um, there's, a couple of, um, there's a couple of Premier League games that happened this weekend as well. Um, Aston Villa, nil. Wolverhampton Wanderers, one. Um, goal came from Dendonka just after the hour mark. Wolves are just too good. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like this, that, that it seems that the Wolves tactic right now is we'll keep things tight in the first half. We'll keep it a bit... Uh, it will be a bit cagey. Um, if we can nick a goal, great. If not, that's fine. We're quite solid at the back. We're quite solid with our system. We, we feel comfortable. We've got a good goalkeeper. We've got some good midfielders. We've got some solid centre-backs, if not spectacular. They're very solid, though. And um, and then when it gets to the second half, we'll unleash Adame, uh, Adame <laughs> Troyore, <one of> <laughs> who, when he comes on, is this in this physical specimen and he's starting to combine it now and you can tell he's playing with confidence because look at the way he's able to receive the ball in tight spaces now and he's able to with a nice little shimmy of the ball a nice step over here um some nice close control he's able to get himself out of good uh, out of tight positions lay the ball off to other players put them in good positions getting good crosses and that's what happened with the goal he he found himself actually it's really weird that he was in the centre-forward position and Raul Jimenez was out wide because Adorno Troy picked it up from... It might have been Dendonka who put the ball into him originally. Mm. He, he did <clears> what <throat> I said there, kind of like a little shimmy, which bought himself a bit of time, played it out to Raul Jimenez, who was on the left, I think. And Dendonka then carried on his run. And Raul Jimenez played in a lovely ball into the middle, didn't he? I think it was... Who was it? To, was it to Johnny, maybe, who found himself yeah. there? Yeah. And then Dendonka sawed his feet out. Love it. It was a very good... That was a good finish as well because I think yeah. that was from his wrong peg as well I think I think he's right footed it's funny really because like, what's, what's been happening in the Bundesliga I was doing the Bundesliga show with Flo, um, Flo Wolfram from by Leverkusen this morning and there's the amount of goals in the Bundesliga this weekend that were cutbacks it was like get down to the byline cut it back first time finish Bosch there was yeah. about eight or nine goals that were like that and this weekend in England it's been I'm going to hit it with my crap peg. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to score. And it, it's happened so many times this weekend. Yeah. Madness. Yeah, um, yeah. I Love like Den Donker. Good, good player. I think, yeah, he's solid. He's a solid, pl- he's a solid player. Um, and it, it, what, he, what he does is allow players like your Neves, your Diogo, Diogo Jota, Raul Jimenez, Troy Ore when he comes on to not have to worry so much about your defensive aspects, your defensive duties. Not saying that they don't, that means they shirk them. It just means that he allows them the space to be a little bit more adventurous because I think Wolves and Nuno Espirito Santo is are, are naturally a little bit more cautious as in we'll keep, we'll keep tight because I think that, I think that's formed from when he, he uh, Santo was, uh, he played under Jose, didn't he? From yes. Porto. <laughs> I think he's quite heavily, heavily influenced by that. Um, 
And as I say, when then they they can bring on Triore against tiring defense, the tiring legs, and he can cause all kinds of mayhem. And what is that the third game now, fourth game now, where this has happened since Wolves have come back? They've kept it really close in the first half, and then in the second half, they just needed one goal. Two, uh, I think there's only one game where they've scored two, but they've not conceded, I don't think, yet, Wolves. But they look uh, comfortable. That's the thing. Yes, that's when it, you they see do. the results, you don't the think, oh, has, okay, but, might be, it's, that was a tight affair. They only won one nil. No, it's they're, they're battering teams one nil, two nil. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's, it's, oh. that's, what hope, that's what Chelsea were doing under when Mourinho in his first stint at Chelsea. That's what they were doing every week, weren't they? They were winning one nil, two nil, but it was comfortable one nils and two nils. It wasn't, it, it wasn't really close like the Sugarland might suggest. But that was what was happening, um, and they don't really look phased at all at the back, do they? Wolf? No, they're com- they're, com- they're they're playing with a lot of confidence right now. It's going to take it's going to take a very good team to stop them. Um, and I I think that they potentially, along with Manchester United and Chelsea, they could potentially overtake Leicester. Leicester have got to get their act together. They have to. Um, They've only got two wins since, since December. Exactly. Yeah, they've got to get their act together because all those, all three of those teams are, are, are in form. Their players are playing well. Their managers seem to be uh, understanding of their team and their squad and how to get the best out of them. Whereas Rogers kind of looks a little bit lost at the moment, as in if Jamie Vardy's not going to score, who's going to score? Who's going to score for my team? And mm. Vardy scored what in one game in like. 11, 12 games or something, 13 games, his previous 13 games. And he's still up there. Was there one of the top goal scorers? Well, he's top goal Yeah, it goes to show like how good Leicester were in the first half of the season. Yeah, um, well, in how much form he was in. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we were thinking, no, they can't do it again, can they? And it <laughs> weren't until they played against uh, Liverpool and Man City that had their bellies tickled good and proper, didn't they? Well, do you know what? I think it's, it's since those two games, really, they've kind of been... Whether their confidence has just got completely destroyed from those two results, because that's when their sort of poor form seems to have coincided with, haven't they? They haven't really many, won many games since then. So whether Or whether it's because teams were watching that game and, and how... I know you, it's always difficult to try and replicate what Liverpool and Man City do because you need the players to do so, but teams can kind of work out how they played against them and obviously replicate that and Leicester have struggled since. So uh, I think it's a combination of all of those factors. And I think Brendan Rodgers kind of needs to work out how to get the best out of his team or try and work out how he can get other players in good goal, good, good positions to score rather than just relying on Jamie Vardy. It didn't help that James Madison didn't play today, of course. That was- it didn't help. I, I think the thing, the thing with Brendan Rodgers for me, when, when they're winning... And when his team are winning, they are brilliant. But as soon as they lose a couple of games, he hasn't got the strength to and the mentality to turn them around and be like, right, okay, don't worry about that game. Let's pick you back up and let's go for it again. He's a very his good teams, they, they winning lose, manager, they lose, isn't he? He's a winning manager, yeah. But when, yeah. yeah, he doesn't know how to handle things when they're losing. Adversity, and one yeah. game that they lost early on this season was against Southampton at home. After smashing them 9-0 away, they lost 2-1 at home. And Southampton won again today. Uh, good, good. 3-1 Another winners. good transition I see you done there. <laughs> 
I'm not a weak mate, I swear to uh, God. Um, well, we, right. we love Hasselhoodle, don't we? We, we, we both love Hasselhoodle, like and I always uh, laugh at Watford. I can't help it. Uh, Watford 1, <laughs> Southampton 3. Goals from Danny Ings. Mad tings from Danny Ings. Bag 2. Um, Ward Prowse. Another epic free kick that we've seen. We've seen three in the last week. Now, mm. which one do you rank? In what position? You've got Trent's against Palace. You've got KDB's against Chelsea's. Uh, and, and then this favorite. one. KDB's see, I, is my favourite. See, I really like this one as well because... But well, I like them all. I like them yeah, all. Yeah. Uh, it, it's almost like that debate. Who's better? Uh, Skulls, Gerard or Lampard? Mm. Yeah. Not, everyone knows it's Frank Lampard. But the, um, the War Prowse free kick, the wall has jumped... And he's quite close to goal. I think that's why I prefer this one because of how close he is to goal. It, it, when you're normally that, that that near, it's so difficult to get it over the wall and get it to dip down, down. again. Yeah, but it, it's with, so close. He's got it over the wall as well with, with enough power, power. and yeah. he's, he's he's done all that. Do you know that's only his seventh direct sixth sorry direct free kick that he scored in the Premier League. I feel like he scores loads. Yeah, do you know? Do you know another player who scored? Who I seem to remember scoring loads of free kicks. But he probably didn't score as many. Do you remember Seb Larson? David Beckham. Oh, sorry. <laughs> David Beckham. No, David Beckham. I, I swear he scored hundred free kicks. Uh, but Seb Larson. Do you remember Seb Larson? <gasps> yeah, um, Seb Larson. Well, you you fancy him over the ball from twenty yards out? Yeah. But he um, didn't score as many as we thought either. Um, I bet not. Danny, no. Danny Ings' his first goal. Lovely. It's. Well, well, I didn't really, appre- I did really appreciate it that much when I saw it first time. But when you see it again, it's like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> You've got some good toes, Danny Ings, mate. And, y- you know, can you imagine if he was if he was super fit? He would never have had, he, he never would be there right now. He'd still be at Liverpool right now if he was fit because Jurgen Klopp really liked him. And he, he was devastated to let him go. And it's, it's well documented. So, if anyone wants to like F and Jeff and moan at me for that, then crack on. It's like, oh, we've got Bobby Firmino. We don't need Danny Ings. Well, you could have had him as well. And you, I think I'd rather have him than Origi in my team. Look how many goals this guy's scoring for a side that, well, when, when, when Southampton weren't doing very well, look how many goals he was scoring then. And now they're doing better. I and mean, he still finds himself on the score sheet. Yeah. Um, here we go. There's another one. Uh, John Arnarisa. We've uh, a comment from Sean again. About how he was the same. Um, str- 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 yeah, he didn't, he didn't really. And, and, yeah. Can, we just, can I just give a shout out to Adam the uh, Greek Carlow, the uh, long time viewers will not recognise him. Um, came up with a great nickname for him, Danny Pings. I, I really Danny enjoyed Pings. that. Danny Pings. I really like that pick, uh, that nickname. That was. Can we get that one starting? Can we get that trending? Do you think? Let's get that trending. Let's get it moving. Um, he scored. He scored another one. That was a real poor mistake. From from uh, from Ben Foster, there it was a terrible throw. That I, I don't know who he was trying to look for, and Danny Ings just picked it out of the air. Was on, I'm having that. Um, and yeah, Watford did bring one back. Uh, ben Rec home goal. I think they thought that things were about to pop off, but they didn't. Is uh, yeah, with a free kick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, Watford. That, that. Um, huh, they've only drawn one game. And they've lost their all the other games now. It looks like they. I say we, we we've said that Watford need to put their ideas up. Or at the moment, what's happening is that I don't I don't think any of the bottom teams have won a game yet, have they? No. So Brighton. 
If you want to class Brighton, they were in, they were in a relegation battle. No, yeah, yeah so, they were in the separate league. Oh, I'm talking thing, Bournemouth, West Ham, Villa, Watford, Norwich. Those teams, I don't think they've won a game since. since no, 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 won a game. I mean, I tell you what, they are, I, I imagine that they've got games against each other coming up. Yes, those they have. Gonna, those are going to decide it. Those games will decide it because if they're not picking up points elsewhere. It's going to be those games that are going to decide who goes up and who stays up and who goes down. Now, there's some big games happening during the week, but before we go there, we're just going to get at the table um, and see how we are uh, right now after the, those Premier League games before we talk about what's happening during the week. So, yeah, as, as mentioned, Norwich, they're, they're still knocking around down the bottom there. They haven't got any points since the restart. And they've got a game in hand on Aston Villa, um, but they are still six points from safety. Aston Villa, Bournemouth and West Ham all on 27 points. West Ham just hanging around just outside the uh, relegation zone on goal difference. Watford, they're on 28 points. They really could have done with a win today. That would have pulled them away for a little while. And Brighton, they're heading off now. They're on 33 points. Now, even though Brighton have got seven games left, I feel that 33 points, they only need... One one win. One win. Four points, maybe. Maximum, four maximum points. four points. They're, they're yeah. I can't see the other teams picking up that many points. Well, as I say, they're not, not, the other team's not winning games. Usually, a team would, would get a, a result against the mid-table side, and then they'll be like, right, OK, that'll, that'll give us a bit of confidence. Then they'll pick up a point. So that's four points. That makes a lot of difference. And then they'll get they'll win a game against teams around there. And there's your seven points you're looking for and you're safe. But at the moment, none of those teams look like they're going to win a game. I mean, no. Norwich, they, they, I know, <laughs> they go to Arsenal, don't they, on Wednesday. I know we've got that too. Might, 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 might pick up a point in that. You know. they, they might pick up a point, but Arsenal now won their last two games. And this is going to be Arsenal's first game at home since the restart. They've played four away games in a row, haven't they? Since the mm. uh, since it's come back, so being a little bit being a home familiar uh, home territory after a couple of wins might give them a little bit of an extra boost there. But I can't see a win coming from any of those bottom teams for. Uh, uh, I think when they play against each other, I can only see them drawing. I can see that happening. <laughs> yeah. um, t- tomorrow um, is Crystal Palace versus Burnley. Um, both of those teams, you know, could hang around near the European spots, European places. Yeah, you can pick, might be able to pick a Europa League spot in eighth place this year uh, because of what's happening to Man City for one and what's happening with the teams in the FA Cup. You know, if if Arsenal don't win it, that will go to eighth spot. Yeah, well, yeah, d- d- depending if all the other teams finish the Champions League spots, yeah. Um, well, the Champions League, Europe, Europe League spots, they're all going to finish yes, there, you know, yeah. look look who's left. So that's what, that's what's happening there. And yeah, I can't, I can't see Arsenal win. They've got Man City, just say. So. No. Um, but um, yeah, that's going to be tomorrow, Crystal Palace versus Burnley on Amazon Prime. Ooh. Um, but it's free free to wear on Amazon Prime as well. So I don't think you need to have Amazon Prime in order to watch it. Um I'm but, sure. I'm sure if you go on the website, it will tell you how to uh, how be able to. There's to ways. There's always ways. Uh, oh, that that's got a draw written all over for me, though. Yeah, I mean, both both managers like to keep their teams tight. Uh, Palace, Palace don't score depends. many goals. Palace don't score many goals. And again, it depends on if Wilfred Sahar is back. If Wilfred Sahar is not back, then Palace's cutting edge is well. As a, 
blunt knife then, really, isn't it? Um, mm. I mean, what, what was the stat that they came out of the Liverpool game when they got battered? Was it 4-0 the other day? They didn't... So the, I think it was the first it's time the first that the stats had been going, so, they yeah. had no touches in the opposition box the yeah, whole game. zero. Yeah. That's bad. Um, Tuesday night, we've got Brighton versus Man United. Um, that is on uh, Sky Sports, I believe, um, on Tuesday night, 8.15 kickoff. Um, Brighton, I can't... I, Man United will go back to... They will revert back to their, their side that, that beat yeah. Sheffield United. Oh, oh, they made back. eight changes for their game at the week. Uh, yeah, uh, that's on, it, yeah. Uh, this weekend. Yeah, so, Pogba coming back in, Matic back in. Uh, let's see, Lindelof will probably come back in. Van Bissaka, uh, yeah, they they they'll win that game. Yeah, I'll fancy my United to win that game. Yeah, I mean, like Brighton will feel bored after the, the Arsenal was far goal trying to get something there. So yeah, might win for me. But when day nights, yeah. As you mentioned before, it's the first game at home for Arsenal since the restart. Um, I can see a comfortable Arsenal win from that one, but this is Arsenal, so... Yeah. And uh, uh, since you come back, I think every game I've predicted I've got wrong. So I'm not going to put a prediction out for this one. <laughs> oh, yeah, 4-0 <laughs> Norwich. There you go, 4-0 <laughs> Norwich. I'm sure, I'm sure that will um, get, get the tongues wagging. Um, then what else we've got on Wednesday? We've got Bournemouth versus Newcastle. This is a big game for Bournemouth. They really need to pick up points. The Matt Ritchie derby. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, this, that, that's a huge game for Bournemouth. Uh, maybe more so, uh, definitely more than it is for Newcastle. Um, and Eddie Howe's got to get his players going for this one. He has to. They they can't they can't do a Bournemouth. In, when I say do a Bournemouth, as in be lackadaisical, because they've been very lackadaisical very recently. So they have to be on all cylinders for that game. There's no they can't if they want to stay up. They have to. They have to be. No, I've got no choice on that one. Um, on a Thursday, we'll be back on the air. At, uh, at around lunchtime and we'll, we'll be breaking down our favourite section of the show, What Are Everton? Uh, because Everton have got Leicester on 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 Wednesday. Now, this has got Leicester, um, got an Everton win written all over me, uh, for me, I should say, because of, because of Leicester's form and Everton are on the ascendancy and they look a little bit better since we've got our new jingle. So, um, where do you see that happening? That game's on Sky Sports Action on Wednesday at 6pm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I can see an Everton winning that game. Excuse me, we're not going to put scores on it. We're just going to leave it there and see what happens. Um, yeah. And then um, the final game before we come back on the air on Thursday um, is the London derby at the London Stadium. West Ham United versus Chelsea. That is an 8.30, uh, 8.15 kickoff on Sky Sports main event on, on Wednesday evening. So, where West Ham picked up a, a very random 1-0 victory away to Chelsea earlier on this season. Alvin Martin, that's what I was trying to think of. Alvin Martin's um, son. Uh, literally, <laughs> it popped Martin. into my head just then. David, David Martin? Martin? yeah. He was he was in goal, yeah. Uh, and he kept a clean sheet on his debut. Remember, he cried in that. Cause was, I, got, I got mad emotion watching that. I was like, man, he's made his debut in the Premier League at like at like 48 or however old you are. And um, against, against the Chelsea side, who were looking all right at the time as well, weren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. They've, 
uh, I, I can't see West Ham doing anything here. Again, again. I I can only see a Chelsea win here, and that just strikes the fact that West Ham are probably going go and pick up a two 0 victory or something. But yeah, Chelsea <laughs> Chelsea are. Um, I think they're hitting their stride a bit now. Chelsea. I think they've been buoyed by the fact that these signings that they've had announced during the breakdown, the lockdown, whatever you want to call it, uh, especially Timo Werner, is I think it's just give the place a little bit of of a lift. Mm. Players can see that he's going to come in. He's going to do well for them. And, you know, I, I, I can't see past Chelsea, really. 2-0, I think. Comfortable. I think, I think Tammy Abraham might get back in, on the score sheet uh, yeah. on Thursday. Someone like Tammy Abraham, well, I, I love this idiot, but I can see him getting bullied a little bit by, by Tammy Abraham because he can be a bit of a brute when he's playing through the middle by himself. So I'll fan, fancy Chelsea to win very, very comfortably here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Tammy Abraham is, is a bit of a physical specimen. Um, mm. Don't let the baby face put you off that. He's, he's definitely, he's physically built to play in the Premier League. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, as I said, we'll be back on Thursday lunchtime and we'll be breaking down all these games that we just mentioned and, you know, hopefully not wiping too many wounds off a Norwich victory at the Emirates. Um, as you may have seen already, we are we, we're in StreamYard now and StreamYard looks like it's pretty damn cool. And we're able to do things like this. If you look down below, uh, you can see all the comments, not the comments, the, uh, the social media links and... Uh, Get involved in the show as well. You're more than welcome to get involved in the show. Anyone who's watching, throw your two quits worth in. Any questions, also, any queries, we'll lob it on the screen. You know, we're we've also got the five that. midfield as well coming up on Thursday too. Don't forget about our top. Oh, uh, our, our, our can top we five. forget about that? Um, yeah. The adverts will be going out for that um, as of tomorrow. We will uh, let you know what our subject is going to be Bucking. and then you know Bucking by all means yeah. throw your two quids worth in what do you think of the order and you'll be able to go back on youtube as i said like you can be able to see underneath facebook youtube twitter and instagram it's all at two up top football so be out or as i discovered the other day if you go to google and literally put in two up top we're the first hit we're making we made waves. It, man. We made it. We're waking, making waves. <laughs> making waves. <laughs> making waves, mate. But uh, for myself, Gav Mac, and um, my boy there, Alex Osborne, thank you. And Dura.